Would you turn with me this morning to Revelation, the third chapter? Revelation chapter 3, and we're observing communion this morning. And communion is a very, very important thing. You never want to get to the place where it's just a ritual, a routine with you. Because this is uh, the basis of our very salvation. It's how and why we are Christians. And so it's uh, also a good thing that, that we do on a regular basis. I don't know of anything in the scripture that tells you how often you should observe the Lord's Supper. But it says we are to do it until He comes. Amen. And so we regularly here at the church uh, observe communion. And we don't just tack it on the end of a service, but we, we talk about it. And we want to reverence the blood, reverence the body. And if you do this right, you can receive things. Amen. As you partake, you can receive deliverance. You can receive forgiveness. You can receive healing in communion. In Revelation, the third chapter, we see a well-known Scripture, something that the Master said, Revelation 3 and verse 20, Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And will sup with him and he with me. Hear it again. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Let's pray just a moment further and release our faith for the word this morning. Father, thank you for everything we've already enjoyed of your presence. What a privilege it is to to be free and to be saved and to have a place to come meet in and have the freedom to worship you. We don't take it for granted, but we give you all the credit and all the thanks and praise. Give everybody this morning eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts open and receptive, just what each one needs to hear right now in Jesus' name. And we'll not be hearers only, but by your grace we'll be doers. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed for your faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if any man hears my voice and opens the door. Well, why doesn't Jesus just open the door and come on in? Do you have to open the door and let him in? It's true. You know, there's a lot of people that are real adamant about, well, now I just believe God is God and He's sovereign and He's almighty. And if He wants to do something, He'll do it. And if He wants somebody to do something, then He'll make them do it and they'll do it. Well, you believe wrong. I said, you believe wrong. He is God. He is the almighty. He is the first and the last. He does know the end from the beginning. But in His great wisdom and in His great righteousness... He has chosen and ordained to let us have a free will. Amen. He has the power to make us do anything. But he doesn't want to make us do anything. He doesn't just want us to serve him. He wants us to want to. 
Amen. Amen. And all the tragedy, all of the pain, all of the cruelty, all of the lack, all of the death that is in the earth right now is not because of God. It's because man has a free will and has chosen wrongly, beginning in the garden and all the way up to now. And so we, we need to remind ourselves that we're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. Amen. Amen. He's standing at the door saying, open up and, and I'll fellowship with you. Amen. But it's up to us. If we're too busy with our own life and we say, no, you know, I, I'm busy. Sorry. Maybe later on, God, when I got time, I'll get serious about religion. No. We, if we draw near to him, then he will draw near to us. How did it start? It started with us. Amen. Right? But notice that the objective here, he said, if you will hear my voice and you will open the door, in other words, invite me in, let me come in, what would he do? I will sup with you. Now, that's short for supper. We might say dine. And we call communion the Lord's Supper. And it's called that in the scripture. The Lord's Supper. And, uh, you know, in some places you don't see the word supper so much. Now, I know I grew up using the word supper. Anybody know what supper is here in Branson, Missouri, or from wherever you're from? We had breakfast. What? Dinner. And supper. Now, I know city folk have uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When we first went to Bible school, there was a friend of mine that was from up north. And uh, he invited Phyllis and I over for, what did he say? He said, dinner? <laughs> That's right. He invited us over for dinner. And so we show up about noon. <laughs> but he's talking about supper. <laughs> well, which one's correct? Well, they're they're all correct. Uh supper, if you look it up, it just simply means to dine, to eat. It means the main meal. Well, some people had their main meal in the middle of the day, and some people had their main meal in the evening. But the Lord is talking about, I will have the main meal with you. Amen. Amen. And, and if, if you've done much reading and studying the Scripture, you'll understand this is a big deal. I mean, we know that today. If the president came into town and he said, would you come over and eat with me? Well, that's nothing to be to sneeze at, is it? Right? You mean he's going to sit down at the table and y'all going to eat together? And you probably won't just sit there silent the whole time. Right? There'll be eating. There'll be talking. Here's the key. There will be sharing. Everybody say sharing. Communion is not just about the Lord's blood and his body. Now, certainly there wouldn't be communion without the Lord's blood and his body. 
But communion is not just about the elements and it's not just about the blood and the body. It is about the sharing. It is about the communion. The word communion literally means a sharing in common. The word fellowship is very similar. It means sharing. And when you sit down to a meal, you eat a meal together, then you share the pot roast. You share the mashed potatoes. You share the green beans or whatever it is, right? And you share your thoughts. You share the conversation. And when you get through eating, both of you or all five of you or all ten of you have the same things inside you. Right? You got green beans in you, they got green beans in them. You got potatoes in you, they got potatoes. Why? Because y'all shared the meal. Not only that, whatever you were talking about, right? Y'all were thinking about this, that they were talking about it. Now they've got that in their thinking. You've got it in your thinking. And if it's stronger than that, you've got it in your believing. They've got it in their heart. You've got it in your heart. Everybody say sharing. Sharing. Communion. And the Lord said, let me in and I will sup with you. We'll share the main meal. How do you believe the Lord has something to share with you? Would you like to share more of his good things? And you may not have thought so, but you have something to share with him. Thank you for that one and a half amen. I said you have something to share with him. You know, the devil's such a liar. He, 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 he's perpetrated this thing that, you know, well, we need him, but he doesn't need us. That is not true. I said, that is not true. In fact, he is the head. We are his body. He needs us in the earth to do what he wants done in the earth. Your head doesn't do things without your body. Right? The head, your head through your body accomplishes your head's will. And he through us does what he wants to do in the earth. And not only that, you do have something that can minister to him. Your faith in him ministers to him. Your love for him blesses him. Amen. Does a child have anything to offer the parent? Well, you are his child. Amen. You don't have to be stronger than him, smarter than him, uh, have more money than him to give him something. You're his child. You just want to be with him, blesses him. Amen. Amen. And so it is supposed to be a reciprocal fellowship. He's talking, you're listening. You talk, and amazing of amazings, he listens. Amen. He has wonderful things to give to you. And believe it, you have something that he wants. Something that he enjoys. That he takes pleasure out of. And you see it in the communion meal. In the book of Acts. You can turn there if you want to or you can just listen. In Acts, the second chapter. The beginning days of the church. The same church that you and I are a part of. Down about... uh, Verse 42 of chapter 2, Acts 2:42 said the people in the church there, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. It all went together. 
Let me read it again. Some of you just got there. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching and in the fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in the prayers. Uh, Some groups have uh, institutionalized the church, made it more of a cold organization. Our fellowship one-on-one and our fellowship as a church in the restaurant or in each other's home is supposed to be the same spirit we are in the service with and the same spirit we pray with and the same spirit that the teaching goes forth with. Amen. How many know that you and I are sitting down eating together right now? Aren't we? Well, we shouldn't come in here and get all poker-faced and get our backbone like an iron rod and just watching the clock and going, you know, we're supposed to be having a meal. It's supposed to be like in the restaurant. Amen. Isn't it? It's supposed to be just like in the restaurant. Only God's feeding us. We're at His table. Amen. And you need to take what you need. And, you, and, and the wonderful thing about this, you cannot overeat on the Word. You can absolutely just pig out and it's just great. No problem. No negatives, no adverse side effects. You can say, I want some more of that. Give me two scoops more of that. And you can just take it in and drink it in and eat it up. And you need to have that mentality when you're in a service. Amen. Why do we come to us? Why do we have a service? This is a time of communion. Amen. He's here. I said he's here. And he feeds us. And we're to give to him. We came in and lifted up our hearts and we said, Lord, we love you. We honor you. We, were you giving earlier out of your heart to him singing and praising him? You need to be. Not just standing watching, but fellowshipping. I mean, it's amazing how some folks thinking is messed up. You ought to see them at the ball game. Oh, man, they'll jump, they'll shout, they'll holler, they spit on everybody in front of them. You ought to see them at the restaurant or at home at the table, laughing and cutting up and passing the food and slapping each other on the back, and they come to church and like this. Won't raise their hand, won't raise their voice. Why? This is church. No, that ain't church. That's men's religious idea. Jesus fellowshiped with his disciples. Amen. And his last communion, his last supper with them is one of the most beautiful things. When you really see it and don't, don't, don't just see it through the traditional religious concepts when you really see what happened it was a special meal it was a special time of fellowship and i believe it had a lot of joy to it uh, until right towards the end when some very very serious things had to be dealt with but i think that this was just common with them that they had fun and i have scripture for that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above all his brethren. He is not a depressed Jesus. Jesus had fun. Little kids, little children loved him. Little kids don't love grouchy old folks. 
mean folks, people that can't even smile. They like people that's fun. They like, right? They loved Jesus. The little ones loved him. Amen. God, the scripture says, laughs. On the throne, the Lord Almighty, he laughs. The psalmist said he laughs. Zechariah said he sings. How many would like to have a CD of God's favorites? <laughs> Me too. One of these days, we're going to get to hear the Father sing a special. Don't you suspect it would be very special? Whoo! My, talk about some range. Talk about some notes. Oh. But you are made in the image of God. That's why you have a wide range of emotions. That's why you're, you can express all kind of different things. That's, that's the way He is. He's like, um, uh, he's like us because He made us like Him. You have to think about that one a little bit. Of course, minus all the perversions. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke. The book of Luke and the 22nd chapter. Luke 22 and verse 7. Luke 22, 7 says, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And Jesus sent Peter and John and said, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. This was a very special thing. I mean, it was a spectacular, miraculous provision made for it. The regular place wasn't all right to have it. God specifically provided an extremely nice place to have this meal in. They said, where, where will you that we prepare? He said, you know, go into the city and there will be a man. He'll have a pitcher of water. Follow him and, and say to the master, where's the guest chamber that I'll eat the Passover? He'll show you, verse 12, a large upper room furnished there make ready. Everybody say large room. I don't like small stuff, do you? I don't like clothes that's too tight. I don't like cars or airplanes that's too narrow where you rub shoulders all the time. I, I don't like rooms that's too small. Everybody say large room. That's just me talking, excuse me. Large room, furnished. Now the Amplified brings out that it was furnished with couches and with carpets. This was a plush, nice, large place. And they went and found, as he said to them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour has come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Now get this, verse 15, he said to them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He said, I've been looking forward to this. I wanted to earnestly and intently desire to fellowship with you and have this time. They're in this plush place. All these nice couches. Carpets back then was big stuff. Car- Amplified brings that out. Carpets and couches. 
And, uh, you know, in that day, they didn't just sit up straight at the table. They leaned back, leaned around the table. You know, that might be a good idea today. Be, be comfortable. I bet you could stay there a lot longer. I mean, be comfortable. And they're all leaning around. And you understand that uh, Jesus, John, excuse me, was right next to Jesus. And the scripture says he was leaning his head on Jesus' chest. And this was normal. Now, I'm going to begin to paint a picture here for you from the Word to see what kind of meal this was. And this was not a one-time thing. They did this all the time. This one was just more special. Fellowship. And not only that, you see at one point that he reaches over and takes some food and puts it in one of their mouth. Now this, this must not have been just an amazingly radical thing. Nobody just fell off the chair and go, why in the world did he do that? <laughs> Passing food to each other. Leaning on each other. Do you know the scripture in Jude and in Peter calls communion a love feast? Everybody say love feast. It's a shame that in many churches and whole organizations and denominations, it's just become a cold ritual. Go through the motion, do it, say the words, hurry, go home. It's supposed to be a love supper. Everybody say love supper. supper. Just like with your family. Amen. I mean, what's better than all your family gathered around you? Everybody happy. Everybody healthy. Relationships good. God's blessed you. You're prosperous. Got some good stuff on the table. Amen. Amen. Good food. Good friends. Good family. Amen. Amen. Share what you like, what you don't like. Share your dreams and your visions. And they do theirs. And pass some more of Grandma's special. Huh? That's living, brother. I said, that's living. That's not just Southern. That's not just Italian. That's God. I said, that's God. And you know what God is doing right now? He's getting ready for one of the biggest blowout suppers of all time. You talk about a supper. The Bible said, blessed are those that are going to have a part in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, he's setting a table. Oh, you talk about, you never had a meal like this. Guess who's going to be up at the head of the table? The Father God Almighty and the Master at the right hand and everybody you ever knew. Abraham, Moses, David, Paul, and their family. I said, they know you. And when you see them, you'll know them. Glory. Fellowship. Fellowship is the joy of relationship. It's not just to say, I am a child of God, I'm born again, I'm the, I am a son of God. That's, that's not all there is to it. That's relationship. Amen. Not just I'm somebody's husband, or you're somebody's wife, I'm somebody's daddy, I'm somebody's son. That's, 
just the relationship is not it. What is the joy of that relationship? It's the fellowship, the sharing. Amen. The back and forth. The, the investing, the giving, the receiving. Amen. The companionship, the partnership. Everybody say sharing. Glory to God. And you know, he goes on to tell about at that point, he said, I desire to do this with you. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he took the bread and he gave thanks. Go to the 13th chapter of John. Let's read John's account of some of these things. This happened the same, the same happening, but John's account is different. He says some things that the other ones didn't say. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, John 13, 1. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out from, his world, from this world to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. What's this all about? Love. What is communion? It's a love feast. That's what the scripture calls it. And, verse 2, the supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper. Now see, all this happened the same time. You have to put all this together to see everything that happened. First of all, God the Father moved in a spectacular way to get them probably the best place in town. To have this. How many know when you need a place, God knows where the place is at, and He can get you that place. And the nice stuff is not just for the devil and his crowd. How many understand the nicest banquet places, the nicest hotel rooms, the nicest stuff is not just for sinners to get in there and cuss? Huh? It's amazing how Christians have been duped. And they're thinking that, that, that sinners and the ungodly can enjoy the best while we are satisfied with crumbs. This is my father's world. I said, this is my father's world. Not the devil's world. My father made this planet. He made the silver. He made the gold. He made everything in it. Amen. And he loves you. And he loves me. And we're not to be covetous and we're not to run after stuff. But how many believe that the Lord would have you to have the very best of everything that you need and want to please Him and do His will and obey Him? Amen. No question about it. They're up here in this fine place. And they, they obviously enjoyed a very good meal. And they're enjoying fellowship. And they're leaning on each other. And they're laughing and they're talking and they're passing the bread and... And, and just enjoying themselves in the meal. And when they get through. Now we know that Jesus took the cup and he took the uh, bread and he passed it. And he said, this is my body. This is my blood. But at some point at the end of the supper, he got up and took off his outer garment and put on a towel like slaves wore. And got some water and went over and began to wash their feet. Everybody say love supper. Verse 4, he rises from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, 
Do you wash, do you wash my feet? Jesus said to him, what I do, you know not now, but you'll know hereafter. Peter said, you will never wash my feet, Jesus. Excuse me, never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. Now one thing you got to hand to Peter, sometimes he spoke a little too much too soon, but when he saw he was wrong, he knew how to repent and right now. When Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you don't have a part. Now, see, that's what all this is about. Everybody say part. Part. See, this means a share. All this was about sharing. He said, if I don't wash you, you don't have a part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Man, if that's what it's about, give me a bath. And Jesus said, well, if you're washed, you don't need to wash your whole self, but just your feet. But he's clean every whit, and you're clean, but not all. Now, see, the feet, they, they didn't wear as much enclosed shoes as we did. There was a lot of just, a, you know, like a piece of leather and a strap, uh, like a real basic sandal, a lot of it. There were some more elaborate things, but then there wasn't as much pavement around either, so there's a lot of dust. So even if you were clean... Uh, it was easy to get your feet dirty. And so it was a common thing to wash the dirt off your feet when you came into a house. And so he's doing that. He's washing their feet. And verse 12, after he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down, he said to them, Know you what I've done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Well, then there's application for us right here. We should be doing something here. Somebody said, you believe in foot washing, literally. Well, yeah, I've participated in a number of literal foot washings. We may have one here sometime. Amen. But I also know that it's more than just the physical act of washing. I mean, how many times you could wash somebody's feet and despise them? You could just bite your lip and do it. You know, well, that's not what it's about. See, Jesus wasn't trying to demonstrate anything except his love for his own. That's how the chapter started. He loved his own to the highest and to the end. He comes to them. Now get this, friend. He takes the lowest part and the dirtiest part of the body. And he takes it into his hands. And he washes. And he takes the towel and dries. This is the Lord doing this. You see all the time people who love each other, they care about what's going on with them. From the natural to the spiritual. You see, you see mothers and you see daddies and the little ones come out and they got jelly all the side of their face. What do they want to do? They want to wipe that off. Is that right? And what about, you know, you see people that you love and they come out and they look perfect except they got a big string hanging on their pants. What do you want to do? And, and, can you see that, that Jesus is taking the lowliest and the dirtiest part and he wants that clean, he wants that beautiful? Amen? Amen? That's love. 
How many know love doesn't let you go out in front of people with something smeared all over your face? Huh? Are your shirt buttoned sideways? Some silly thing. They'll say, hey, 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 come over here, come over here. Come over here. You got something right here. Right? Love cares that you don't look bad. Amen? And the Lord is demonstrating this. And he said, now you see what I've done. And I am your Lord and your master. And I've done this for you. And I want you to do this for each other. Hold your place here. Go please to uh, 2 Corinthians. Now this is some important things here for just a moment. Can you stay with me? Are you in a big, big hurry this morning? Or you got time? 2 Corinthians. The first chapter. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Do you understand everything, every good thing the Lord gives you is ultimately to share? I said everything, every good thing. That is the joy of prosperity that keep that, and that alone will keep you from getting off with the prosperity message. Amen? I mean, what good is having a ton of stuff if you can't enjoy it? And the greatest joy is being able to bless somebody. Amen? Being able to share it. Help somebody in their time of need. Make a car payment for them. Pay the car off. Amen? Send somebody on a trip they wanted to go on. Help somebody. Relieve somebody. That's the joy of prosperity. He said, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. For whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. Hear that last phrase now. If you are partakers or sharers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. The Lord never intended for us to go through life alone. I mean, whether we live or die, we live or die unto the Lord, and we're not an island to ourselves. We're not alone in this thing. But He intended that we share the bad and the good. Did you hear me? That if we have a problem, we don't just go through it alone. And when we have a victory, we don't just celebrate alone. Amen? Do you know that's part of what makes your family a family? It's part of what makes your best friends best friends because you've been through stuff together. Isn't that right? You've been through tight stuff. You've been through tough times, you've been through hurts, you've been through challenges, you've been through seeming defeats together. 
But if you've been with somebody through the tough time and you come out, amen, then you, sh- then you feel like the victory is yours too, right? You participate in the victory. It's yours. When they had a problem, you made it your problem too. Then their victory is also your victory. Then the scripture, I mean, there's much in the New Testament about this. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Amen. Weep with them that weep. We don't need to always be burdening people with our problems. I don't mean that. And, and you don't just need to be too quick to go around and tell folk that you need this or that something's going on with you. But there is a time when you're not to be so proud that you don't let people into your life. I need to say that again. There is a time that you need to let people know. Amen. And particularly if they ask you. You don't need to try to just maintain a facade. Because not only are you pushing away the very help you need. But you are preventing them from enjoying your victory. You're not allowing them to be a part of your overcoming. Amen. How many believe we as a family should be able to lock arms. And if they're crying, we're touched with the feeling of their infirmities. We might shed some tears too, but we don't stay sitting down. Amen. And we stand and we believe together. And if one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. Is there power? Is there strength in agreement? Yes, there is. And we need to not be so proud to think that we know it all, that we have it all. Everybody at some time or another needs help. Everybody. You know, I've, you know, I've been able to spend a lot of time in the Word and, and build myself up. And the Lord's helped us in so many things I hadn't told anybody about. Just stand and believe and it came. But there's been a few times in my life, man, how many, I don't care, you know, what you think you know or what, what kind of faith you might think you have. You can be stretched. You can be pulled until you just don't know what you can do anymore. You know, you just get to the end of your, anybody can reach their limit. Anybody can. And there's been times when I was there and I'm thinking, man, God, I know you're, I know you're with me. I sure don't feel like it. And somebody walked in the door to help me. I didn't call them. They just showed up. And I tell you what, just them walking in the door made me feel about 85% better. Just seeing their face come in the door. And as a church family, do you understand, never should we go through a severe test or trial totally alone. It's wrong. People are being disobedient. You don't, you know, burden people with every little old thing. But at the same time, there are times when you need to, to humble yourself, not be so proud, admit you got a deal, admit you got a problem here, and let the Lord help you through other people. Amen. Amen. I'll amen myself too. It is true. I said it is true. He said, verse 7, our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. Let's get ready here to receive communion. First Corinthians 
11. If you don't share in the difficulty, then you don't share in the victory. You want other people to enjoy your victories, don't you? Well, then there are times when you need to let them know that you're standing. Amen. You know, I've had the Lord send me to people. I mean, wake me up in the nighttime. And me pray, you know, into the wee hours of the morning. And he did with me. Go over to them and see them. They're going through a rough time. Help them. And I went over to them. And, and you know, you don't want to be intrusive. And so I didn't just blurt anything out, but I just tried to talk to them a little bit, try to work the conversation around to a certain area, and then they just refused to talk about it. And even at some points, just ask them, you know, well, you know, is there anything we can help you with in this area? No, 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 I got it under control. We got it. We got it. We're fine. We're good. And they weren't. I said, they weren't at all. I'm believing God. Yeah, you're believing God. And among other things, he dealt with me. To come help you. This is an answer to your prayer. Amen. I got plenty to do besides being over here chatting with you. But the Lord is answering the prayer through part of this. I understand that a lot of God answers our prayers a whole lot through people. He uses people. Doesn't he? Uses people to encourage us. Uses people to strengthen us. Uses people to advise us. Amen. Use people to give to us, sow to us, money, things, because all that stuff is here in the hands of people. And there's been some other folk, though, same kind of situation, and, man, they just opened their heart. And they said, yeah, Brother Keith, I need some help. I'm doing what I know to do, but it seems like I need something else. And I don't know everything, but you can stand with somebody anyway. I can believe with you that we'll know. Amen. Some things maybe I did know, others I didn't. But you say, we're going to stand till we know. We're not quitting. You're not alone. Amen. Amen. And you know, then when things turned around and they called you, say, hey, 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 it came in. It came in. It's done. It's done. Then I shout just as big as they did because this is my victory too. Amen. It's my victory too. And that's one reason that we share the vision with the church. This is not Keith and Phyllis's church. We would only need four or five seats, right? <laughs> this is your church. This is our church, right? And that's why we present the vision and say, this is what we're believing for. And you watch it. It won't be long. All these seats will be colored in back there. And it won't just be my victory. It's your victory. Amen. Amen. You shared in the faith, you shared in the need, you shared in standing, and it's going to be your victory. Amen. Amen. Who did that? They'll say, we'll say God. God did it. Used all of us, used people in other countries. I mean, we've had people calling from Europe and people calling from Australia and other folk, and they say, put one of them seats on my credit card. I say, great, yeah. God's doing it. Everybody say, God's doing it. Love Supper. 1 Corinthians 11. We're getting ready to receive now. 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 17. He starts out reproving them. He said, Now in this that I declare to you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. You know, some folk would have been better off not even meeting that day. This was for the worse. 
For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Divisions. You know, there, there, is, there are few things that are more abominable to God than strife and division. He absolutely hates it. And so should you. You should become absolutely intolerant of strife and division. A house divided is what? It's going to fall. It's not going to make it. And so you, you and I should treat this with absolute intolerance. You know what the Lord said to me one time years ago about this? He said, peace is the manifest presence of God. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Have you ever been into a place where folk were just in strife up to their eyes? You can feel it. Maybe you didn't even hear what was going on. And you walk into the room, you can feel it. Well, what is that you feel? That is the presence of the evil one, the enemy. I'm not having that in my house. I'm not having that in my car. I'm not having that in my office. I'm not having it in my church. You should feel the same way. Amen? Say it out loud. We're not having strife. We're not having division. No. We're having peace. Peace. Unity. Amen. What do we... Well, I won't get into that. Verse 19, there must be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What you're doing is not the Lord's Supper. Tell me again, what is the Lord's Supper about? It's about love. It's about sharing. Amen. Sharing. Love. Verse 21, for in eating, everyone takes before his own supper. And one is hungry and another is drunken. See, they, they weren't waiting on each other. They weren't sharing with each other. There were people there that didn't have enough to eat. There were people there that were being gluttonous. There were people there that already stuffed themselves before somebody else came in. Well, the, the, he's, the Holy Ghost through Paul said, you don't even know what you're doing. This cannot be the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper is about... Love, which is about giving and sharing. Amen. I challenge you in your own homes. As much as you can, eat together. Amen. And wait for each other. Did you hear me? Wait for each other. Don't just sit down and dig in like you don't know God. Wait for each other. Be courteous. Don't just shovel food into your face. Look around the table. Be hospitable. Would you like some of this? Huh? And there shouldn't be five forks stabbed the last piece of chicken. (laughs) But everybody should should be saying what? You can have it. You take it. You see, people like, well, that, that's, that doesn't matter. It does matter. Amen. It shows your heart. Amen. You don't just live one way all week at your house and the job and come to church on Sunday and flip on your switch and turn into somebody else. Amen. And I'm not just making this up. I'm reading Scripture. He, he reproved them. He rebuked them because of this. Verse 21, in eating, everyone takes before the other his own supper. Skip down to verse 33. 
Wherefore, my brothers, when you come together to eat, do what? Wait for one another. That's about as plain as you can say it, isn't it? Wait for each other. Now, if somebody's consistently late getting to the dinner table, they need to make an adjustment too. Right? That's not love, making everybody wait on you all the time. That's another message. It, it, it is disrespectful. It's rebellious. Tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. But you come together not to condemnation. The rest I'll set in order when I come. You and I are participating and sharing with the Lord in, his, in the salvation that the blood has brought. In the salvation, the healing that the bread has brought. We're going to observe and, and receive these elements this morning. And as we do, don't look at it as just a, a religious ritual, but as a sharing. This is the Lord's table. Amen? We're sitting down with Him at His table. Don't get depressed. You can be respectful without being depressed. Right? right? Be glad. We're not lost. We're saved. Amen? And there are good things on the table. How many believe there's good things on the table? Joy on the table. Peace and healing on the table. Victory on the table. And all that you need and all that you could ever desire is bought, is paid for, is provided by the blood and by the body. And I'm a partaker. I'm a sharer. Amen. I'm not too embarrassed to pass my plate and say, yeah, I need some. I want some. I'll take some more. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Ushers, would you get ready? Everybody get ready. Come to your stations. Let's get ready to, uh, to receive, to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning.